trying to get back to the basics of great products. Power comes from sharing information. I try to convince people to slow down. Free. Yeah. Open. This is the Soak Dice Podcast. Hello, viewers and listeners, and welcome to the Soaked by Slush podcast. My name is Isak Rautio, and next to me is sitting William von der Palen, my co-host. Hello, hello. Nice to be here. But yeah, let's get to the episode. In this episode, we have as our guest, uh, Pavel Matviv from uh, WireX. Welcome. Hello, everyone, and uh, thank you for having me today. Thank you for joining us. It's nice. The the connection is nice. You're always a little bit worried. Like we're always a bit worried before these Zoom calls. Like how's the how's the quality going to be and everything. But this is perfect. So thank you, Pavel, and thank you for the nice setup. Also, no problem. So uh, let's get into the the nitty gritty. Uh, can you give a short introduction uh, of yourself and Wirex? Sure. So my name is Pavel Matviev, and I'm co-CEO and co-founder of Wirex. Wirex is a London-based fintech company established about five years ago. And at the moment, we are the global leader of cryptocurrency payment market with 3 million customers in more than 130 countries. We are regulated in UK, Europe, United States, Singapore. We're also backed by corporate venture capital, uh, in Japan, SBI Group. And um, probably there is a, another interesting thing about Wirex. We are profitable fintech, which is, uh, which is not unique, but it, I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's common. It's that common in the industry, but it might be relevant for, um, you know, given environment. Yeah, it's kind of a rarity uh, in, in many ways. Uh, and, and you haven't been around uh, that long, as you said. Five years is... is uh, You've had a pretty impressive growth uh, trajectory so far. Could you maybe tell the listeners a bit more about, uh, you know, what the, what your service is uh, is doing more specifically, and also, uh, you know, who's it, uh, who's the who's the target customer, and and uh, why you created the company? Sure. So our main product is is a mobile wallet. So in in Wirex, we we believe it's our vision is that all currencies should be equal. And when I said all currencies, I'm talking about cryptocurrencies as well as traditional currencies like GBP or Euro. And the the product and the idea is is simple. You have your all your currencies in one application, in, in different accounts. You can receive, send, hold all these currencies. You can exchange all these currencies at best possible rates in any combination. So it can be Bitcoin to pounds, so it can be pounds to euro and, and so on and so forth. And you, we issue cards, uh, Visa MasterCard, which you can use to, to use your funds in everyday life. And it doesn't really matter in what shape or forms your funds in. It can be all Bitcoin, can be all GBP can be 50-50, it doesn't matter. We give you a choice, we give you a flexibility and we give you ability to use the funds um, basically everywhere. So that's that's a product, that's the idea. Uh, the, because the product is quite versatile, it covers a lot of use cases. So some people in Asia, for example, they just use our cards as a travel card because they can save 3% uh, on forex exchange con conversion. Some people uh, use us as an easy way to 
uh, spent to digital currency in everyday life. It's still kind of a big problem to go from uh, cryptocurrencies to traditional GBP currency. And um, there is one, one uh, an, another quite interesting uh, feature we offer. It's uh, a feature called CryptoBack. So CryptoBack is our trademark. And basically CryptoBack is a cashback in uh, cryptocurrency. So every time you spend uh, with our card in store, we give you 1.5, up to 1.5% back in cryptocurrency. So it's why we have a lot of clients who have never bought or never hold any cryptocurrency, but because we give them, you know, free cryptocurrency, they enjoy this getting cryptocurrency without buying cryptocurrency, which is a quite uh, interesting feature. Uh, are there any sort of uh, generalizable insights you've gathered from founding a fintech company that could be sort of generalized over uh, of the field in general, kind of, if you want to be a fintech entrepreneur? What are some things that you remember as, as uh, necessary prerequisites to get into the, in, into the field? Well, I, I, don't, I don't think you need to have uh, something fintech-specific but uh, with, you know, being an entrepreneur, you probably you need to, to be ready for one thing. It's a lot of ups, ups and downs. So every, every business, doesn't matter how successful it is, through its entire lifestyle, go through a lot of challenges and going ups and downs. And a lot of businesses, they actually, you know, ends during first, first, first year. But... Uh, you know, a lot of people think that all these challenges are only happening only in the beginning when you just started the company and then it's just all bright future and no challenges. But the reality is that, you know, every time there's a new challenge and I, I can't really say it's, it's easier than the previous challenge. So my, you know, first probably thing I, I would think about is, you know, just be ready for that challenge. This is not for everyone. But if you survive a few ups and downs and got hard skin and got used to to dealing with these challenges, you you have a quite high uh, chance to succeed. How much uh, skepticism was there around the time you founded Wirex? Uh, you know, if you look at the crypto space in general, it's something that's uh, you know still. Uh, for many people don't quite maybe understand what the space is all about or some people still think that cryptos are only used for fraudulent affairs or, or something like that so um, but but how, how much skepticism was there in the beginning uh, that you had to deal with uh, this is a very good question so if um, it's, it's very difficult to estimate but uh, probably was 99% of, uh, of people were, were skeptical about what we're doing and starting from from audience, uh, investors, you know, uh, partners, banks and so on and so forth. So we started five years ago and back in the days it was uh, just one cryptocurrency, it was Bitcoin. So uh, for reference, now we have three, four thousand different uh, cryptocurrencies. And um, Bitcoin back in the days had a bit dodgy reputation. So, you know, media love to associate Bitcoin with crime and ransom. Uh, it, it's, it's changing. It's changed a lot. 
the market grew, so market became quite big. There are a lot of people who are familiar with digital assets, not just Bitcoin nowadays. But at, at very, in very beginning, it was very difficult uh, when we were looking for business partners. It even was very difficult to open a bank account because banks refused to open uh, even operational account for companies who is doing with cryptocurrencies. So, but going back to my point about challenges, so this was our first uh, challenge uh, we, we had to overcome. Uh, and well, the good thing that uh, the perception of cryptocurrencies uh, getting better and better, and we see more and more real life use cases for digital assets. Uh, now, skip forward to like six years forward, and you've signed a deal with uh, MasterCard. Uh, congratulations, by the way. But uh, this is a big step, uh, not only for your company, but for the crypto uh, scene in one sense in becoming mainstream. But I'd like to ask you, how do you go about uh, when faced with this kind of skepticism? How do you go about uh, proving it wrong? Kind of how do you go about making it ma making yourself uh, sort of break that mold or break that stereotype that's uh, put on you uh, beforehand? Uh, so well, f thanks a lot for for uh, Mastercard congratulations. So uh, you're absolutely right. For for us, it's it's a big big step. We are world first crypto native company who got the principal license uh, from Mastercard. Uh, it, it also quite big uh, for for the industry in general because we now see more and more big players uh, coming to the industry, which is. Which, which is good, which is good for, for, for adoption, but it also proves that the industry are getting more and more mature. So now even big players, they are not afraid to, to go and do uh, blockchain business or cryptocurrency related business. So it, it's a quite big milestone. Uh, how we dealing with uh, cryptocurrency uh, perception? Well, our approach is to overdo stuff. So people are quite skeptical or they worried about, you know, money laundering for Bitcoin or different kind of, you know, crime related or fraud related activities. So what we have to do, we have to be over compliant. We have to be, you know, have more procedures and processes in place to prevent fraud. And when I compare it to ourselves with uh, traditional fintechs or with challenger banks, it's quite funny, but we actually have more things in place in terms of anti-money laundering checks, in terms of transaction monitoring, in terms of fraud prevention, than kind of traditional challenger bank. It's 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 quite it's quite funny, but we back in the days we didn't really have a choice. We had to overdo this part of the business in order to win the trust from business partners, banking partners regulated entities and now MasterCard. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's reality of the industry. Yeah. yeah, that's a very interesting take on it, actually. Just like overcompensating for the sort of skepticism that's lodged uh, on, on you. That's yeah, very, so very interesting. Take. Many times yeah. I think also entrepreneurs might have kind of this attitude that they don't need to maybe care about. You know, you want to disrupt and you want to change uh, stuff and that's very important, but you kind of go about it uh, in a way that you break a lot of stuff and you don't comply with rules and 
and uh, then you can end up also with cases like uh, like a wire card or, or something something like that and and that obviously then hurts the the whole industry as a whole and uh, so I think that's maybe a good lesson also to remember that uh, you ca- you can't afford to you know it, it, it's it might be a good idea to actually comply with the rules and try to stay within the borders rather than going <laughs> completely rogue and and trying to just push your way. You can do it, of course. There, there's been some cases where you can do that as well, but uh, generally, most companies that do that uh, probably won't won't succeed. Yeah. So, if you look at your uh, success, it's been really fast. The growth. If you look at the fi- past five years, you're present in 130 countries already. What would you say have been been the most important um, parts of that success, or the, the like, the keys to to getting where you are today? Well, obviously, we would we did have uh, a few few challenges on on our way, and um, first we just uh, mentioned about perception of uh, cryptocurrencies and digital assets, right? So we have to be over compliant on we 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 had a bit at, at least at the beginning had limited access to you know banking partners or, or different business partners because a lot of companies were not ready or didn't have enough risk appetite to work with uh, cryptocurrency related companies so now it's 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 different now we're a regulated company regulated not just in one country but in many countries but this was one one of the uh, uh, challenges for us to overcome. Another challenge was uh, for company as we started growing and um, uh, at, at some point the, the growth was exponential in terms of the client base, but in terms of the, the company as well. And then you grow in from 40 people to 200 people within six months, for example, it's a challenge on its own. Um, and uh, it, 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 it's quite funny, but uh, the first thing which goes away when you grow that fast is, is a culture. So you it just hire a lot of new people with, you know, with a new mindset, with, you know, different values. And because you, you, need, you need these people, you need to grow fast to accommodate the client, client growth. But uh, I think the, the big achievement for us is that we managed to keep the culture, we managed to keep the culture, build the culture we wanted to have in the company. Uh, you might heard about different, you know, uh, stories about tox- uh, toxic cultures uh, in fast-growing companies, but uh, so it's why we, we deliberately paid a lot of attention to keeping cult- culture in place and uh, to keep people who share our values in, in our company. and. I think for us, this was a big achievement and, you know, the rest, the, the rest of the things we achieved it thanks, thanks to our team. So I'm very proud to have very professional, very motivated team who managed uh, to, to deliver on everything uh, we were planning to do. Can you talk a bit more about this culture aspect? Uh, I have a few sort of specific questions about it. Like, what what uh, is uh, your culture at Wirex, and like, how do you define culture in general? And then, how did you go about this big transition from forty to two hundred people, and then somehow sustaining this collective attitude? 
Well, this is uh, this is a very good question uh, because it's it's very difficult to describe culture, and culture usually is based on company values. So, my role, and as I mentioned, I'm I'm co-CEO, and we have another co-CEO. His name is Dmitry. It's quite interesting structure. We have two CEO, but yeah. we we share responsibilities, and we uh, it. It, it doesn't work for every company, but uh, fortunately it, it works for us. But uh, the, the main, because we two kind of uh, people who started the company, so for us it's very important to, to share values, to share mission, to share what culture we want to build in, in the company. And this, you know, sharing uh, values and talking about values, uh, it, it's not one-off exercise. You need to do it over and over again as new people enter in the company. You need to talk about company values and how we can both together work, uh, not together, but everyone work as a team and, you know, uh, moving towards its values. So in, I, I can maybe talk about our values and it, it kind of values defines the culture in environment so you can have a taste of the culture and work. So, but first of all, we we pay a lot of attention to this compliance thing. So we we are not about breaking things and you know ask for forgiveness after that. So we we deliberately try to be over compliant, over deliver on things on fraud and risk related. It basically we. We understand the reality of the industry we are operating in. But from this perspective, we want to be the most compliant company in the space. And so far, this worked very well for us. Uh, the second thing we, or second value is we define it as a customer centric. So we are trying to uh, create the best user experience for customers. And user experience, I'm not just talking about user interface, but I'm talking about the customer support, I'm talking about listening to what our customers want and respond to that. And uh, another, another value we have is, uh, we, we call it trailblazers or being trailblazers. So it's basically, yes, we are the first movers. Uh, the thing about first mover advantage, it doesn't last long. So in order to keep this competitive edge, you need to keep innovating in the new industry, in a fast growing and fast changing industry as digital currency industry, you need to keep innovating. You can't just, you know, come up with, uh, let's say, cryptocurrency debit card product and just stop there and think, okay, I'm first mover, I'm going to be all right. It, it, it doesn't work this way. So you need to keep, you know, moving forward, keep innovating. And it's the only way to keep ahead of your competitors. How do you ensure that you know these values are actually implemented? Because you know many people who found a company or even bigger companies have these strategy sessions, and then they have have a talk about values, and then they write it down on a paper, and then maybe you make a cool little painting on the company wall, office wall, and then no one speaks about them ever again, and you can't forget forget about them. So of course, defining them is the the first and and probably the so like least important step, but how do you actually 
enforce them? You, you mentioned that it's a continuous process and you have to do it all over again, but do you have some concrete uh, processes to actually ensure that you, you are in line with your values? Well, um, it's much easier to uh, not enforce but share uh, company values or to convince people in, in values if you do it from very beginning. A lot of uh, startups or fast-growing companies usually, you know, start thinking about culture when it's already might be too late, right? So when they had the new head of HR from the big company and the new head of HR saying, you know, guys, we actually need to think about culture and let's talk about mission, values, and let's convince everyone that this is what we are. And you already have like, 500 people in a company, right? So it's, it might be a bit too late to convince all of them. But in, in our case, we, we, we understand that the culture is very important and these values, we, the values basically shows how we want to see the company, what type of company and what type of culture we want to build. And we deliberately put a lot of effort just, to, you know, sharing these values and talking about uh, but we, it's what we want to do and it's what we, uh, you know, want to, to promote. How to enforce this? Again, we, we're not trying to enforce the company values. We're trying to find the people and hire people sh who share our values. So for us, it's very important from very beginning, from the entry point when we hire somebody to check the culture fit, to check the team fit. So team fit and culture fit is equally important for us as your professional skills. So once we have a person, a new person, who you know passed our team fit and who uh, professionally uh, ready to to work in Warex, uh, then the next step for us is to you know continuously talk about values and you know promote or incentivize behavior which is connected to company values. So if, if, for example, a customer, do, if the uh, employee is, you know, doing something related to compliance or something related to innovation, they, this, this behavior usually have a higher uh, rating or a higher review score on a performance review, which we do quarterly. Uh I want to return to the founding years at first and the sort of skepticism and but maybe from a I guess more personal perspective did you ever uh I don't want to say let it get to you but did you ever sort of uh doubt the doubt the sort of uh, idea you had behind firing the company like you are maybe your maybe your uh, beliefs about crypto currencies in general or the future of them or because it seems like you are battling sort of an underdog fight when founding a cryptocurrency a fintech cryptocurrency company in 2014 do you identify with these statements at all well especially at the beginning there are a lot of doubts i mean uh, with every startup you have is ups and downs and you know, one day you are the happiest person in the world because you just got a lot of clients or you, uh, you raise money or you uh, hit some, uh, some metric you want to hit. And the second day you, uh, the saddest person because something, there are new challenge, something, something goes wrong. Uh, and, uh, I think especially at the beginning, we had a lot of 
you know, doubts, especially when this, you know, negative moment happened, because when you start thinking, okay, maybe we're doing something wrong. Maybe we, it, it's, it's not what we have to do. Look at these guys. They just raised, you know, millions of money. Maybe it's what we need to do. This sort of things. And, and I, I think it's, you know, every entrepreneur go through the same uh, thinking. Uh, it's, uh, and I, I, I don't believe there is any company where is everything positive all the time. So there is always ups and downs and, you know, Especially in these down moments, you usually think, okay, maybe we, we need something to do something else, not cryptocurrency. But I think what motivated us a lot is our audience and our community because we, we were lucky that from very beginning we had uh, quite a lot of traction. And um, when we had any doubts, we always saw that the it's, we do what people want. There is a demand and there is a happy customers. And, and I think it's what helped us a lot to, to, to deal with these doubts when we had them. Yeah, I was just about to ask um, about early early stages and, and getting started. Sometimes it might be uh, easier and sometimes it might take quite a long to get the, to get the first traction. But what were some of the, the ways you used to, to get that early traction? Well, in our case, because we were operating in in very new industry, so it was a kind of blue ocean. There is no, there was no competition, right? So we didn't have a problem where we uh, need to enter the existing market and win the clients from from other companies, right? So we basically built the uh, product and built the market, uh, but we had other challenges, right? So we actually need to. It was very difficult to understand that is it what people need? Will it be popular? Obviously, we 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 did research and we we understood there is a, might be demand for that. But the product we offered uh, back in the days, nobody in the world did it before. So for us, it was you know another challenge: how to win the trust of, of customers. Because when we launched the first time. People couldn't believe it. People thought, okay, this is a scam. This is this is just not real. It 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 it, it can't be true. Uh, and uh, we, for first month, um, every day, we got uh, like two clients. So two clients uh, ordered ordered the card. And the lucky day for us was when we had five clients per day. Uh, and all these clients on different forums and on, on social network, we were saying, well, it, it, it's probably a scam, but I'll give it a try. I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. After the first month, uh, people uh, started getting cards and they started using our service. And back in the days, it was 2015, and the product was very simple. It was just a debit card and Bitcoin wallet. Uh, there was no other cryptocurrencies and there was only one function. You can load your Bitcoin to your card and money available instantly on the card. And this instantly thing was the groundbreaking back in the days. Uh, after first month and they started, uh, the, the new clients started getting the cards and started using the card, uh, we realized that they are happy. 
And these customers actually became our brand ambassadors back in the days. And they started inviting the friends, families, and they started posting on communities. And then it just became viral uh, within cryptocurrency market. Uh, and yeah, it's how we started started growing. So basically, happy customers invited other uh, customers who uh, became happy customers, and then they invited their, their friends. This was initial traction. Then we started uh, adding more features, expanding other, our audience, and it was like five years uh, journey for us. So now we have all the challenger bank functionality as well as uh, fully featured uh, cryptocurrency wallets. Do you have any uh, other entrepreneurial history? I'm curious to ask. I mean, you're not very old, but uh, do you uh, have you have you tried anything? Have you dabbled before Wirex, so to speak? Well, I'm I'm not very young either. So um, I, prior to to Wirex, I spent my uh, almost entire career, probably eight ten years, in investment banking. So I worked in Morgan Stanley, Credit Suisse. Argus Capital and a few other banks as well. Uh, I didn't have uh, entrepreneurial experience prior to Wirex. So um, with Wirex, uh, I was a first-time entrepreneur, and it was um, such a learning curve for me. But uh, yeah, do you think uh, because this is something that's often debated that you know either people say that if your first company is a success then it could have been three four times bigger if it was your second or third because you haven't learned enough then some people say that you know past failures Yuri Engström was on this podcast and he said that past failures really don't matter it's 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 not you know predictable of future success in any way and then some people say you should work in the industry and get a career and then you know, move on to entrepreneurship, which is the thing you did, which uh, seem, seems to have worked. But do you have any like insight on, on this? Is it very personal? Is it mostly guided just by chance? Or is it kind of an optimal path uh, to take before becoming uh, an entrepreneur? Well, um, I think it's fair to say that uh, if it's your second, third business, it's, it's easier because you you learned a lot of stuff and you learned a, a lot of things on, on your previous uh, businesses. Having said that, um, I, I always have this, this skepticism about a serial entrepreneur term. Uh, in my opinion, serial entrepreneur uh, is, is, a, is a person who was not successful in his previous businesses. Um, so it's, it's one way to think about this. So um, yes, it helps if you had this experience before. Uh, I wouldn't say it can be two, three, five times uh, more successful. It's, it's very difficult to say. Uh, another interesting thing, and I, I was kind of, uh, was keep thinking about this. Uh, at the early days in, in Wirex, we had a lot of challenges and we, we had to have a lot of motivation to to keep going, and we were we were hungry, you know. When we we were uh, we we want to move, we want to grow, no matter what, right? Now I'm we have a company, and if if I have a choice to go through this uh, from you know very beginning, go through all these challenges, 
different issues one once again well i will probably think twice uh it it's um why do you say this uh because it it's difficult hmm. it it it's difficult it's uh it 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 was challenging um it 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 was a, a learning curve for us but it's it's not for everyone and so that's why i'm saying it's maybe i wouldn't do it once again because it's too difficult um it, our situation was a bit different we were in a new cryptocurrency industry we were uh, funded by friends and family or self-funded so we had to go through a lot of challenges to to be where we are right now um so yeah that, that's my answer yes it helps yeah. if your second third business but at the same time you might be not ready to go through exactly the same challenges you, you had before yeah how much do you think uh, you know is purely coincidental and, and how much is up to yourself when when building a company and and breaking breaking out and actually becoming big versus maybe stumbling upon one of the challenges one of the roadblocks along the way uh i think there is a, it, it, it's um i wouldn't say it's 50-50 but there is a element of luck uh there is a big uh big portion of motivation and determination to to achieve certain things um it you you can probably do this about element of luck but luck always helps uh also you know the f- thing with luck is not something which kind of you know uh, drops from from the sky on you you know one day it's not like you uh and entering the something and you now you know becoming a millionaire so luck is, uh, it, it somehow people see it. Okay, he's lucky. He's lucky to get that. He's lucky to receive that. But the, the thing is that if you if you try many, many, many times, the probability that you will succeed is much higher. But people who are not familiar with, you know, how much effort you put in these things might might perceive it, might see it as a, as a, as a pure luck. But in fact, there are a lot of effort Put in, in this particular activity, so I'm I'm, I'm saying luck uh, because we were in in the right time with the right product with the right people. Uh, this is probably was a, a bit of luck, but the rest is 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 a lot of work. Yeah, it seems like luck might be that final nudge that you need, but Mastercard card won't call you up and ask you, know, "Hey, Pavel, do you want to make a deal without you?" Be, you know having anything or or doing anything so it's it's uh yeah it's probably quite often misunderstood and easy to also to look at success in in retrospect and just think it it happened without effort or quite overnight maybe in in uh, a bit um, more broader and general terms how do you see the crypto space and and also the the technology uh changing you know the way we use banks or the way we use internet do you see that uh, we are at the beginning of a new kind of technological revolution or is it an overstatement this is a very good question um historically 
I think a lot of people saw a huge potential for blockchain technology or cryptocurrency technology in in, in payments or in finance. And uh, for maybe first five years of Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin was mainly used as a you know speculative or investment instrument, right? So even now, probably 95% of people who hold Bitcoin, I use Bitcoin as example, but it's relevant to all other cryptocurrencies. Uh, so they use it as, as an investment, right? So they hope the price of Bitcoin will go up. And it's only recently that we started seeing uh, new uh, lifetime uh, use cases for cryptocurrencies. Uh, there are two things. One is called decentralized finance, which is it's quite quite hot topic at the moment, but uh, where you can use blockchain technology to lend, borrow money, earn interest, and do stuff like that. So this this particular area is uh, is growing very fast, and uh, in my opinion, it will be quite big uh, end of this year and the next year. But there is another very uh, exciting for me personally, I think, is blockchain-based payments. And I think we, 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 we finally move into the time when we will see uh, cross-border international blockchain payments. And in my opinion, we will see a lot of uh, announcement later this year and next year as well. There are a lot of things going on in, in this particular space. There is a central banks issue digital currencies. There is a uh, Libra Association by Facebook. Uh, Goldman Sachs recently announced, I think it was even this week, that they now had a specialist to look after blockchain technology. And Goldman Sachs historically was very skeptical about cryptocurrencies in general. So, and, and finally, regulation is actually ready for uh, blockchain-based payments. So, I personally am very excited. I do believe uh, it's where industry will be going because payments payments is a is a huge industry, right? It's a merchant payments, everyday payments, cross-border international payments. It, it's a big market. And it's clearly that blockchain can provide a lot of benefits. So answering your question, I think there are two areas. One is decentralized finance, which is started about a year ago and now it's it's getting its momentum. And the second one, blockchain payments, which we will see a lot of announcement uh, last quarter of this year and next year will be all about blockchain-based payments. Great. Thank you, Pablo. This has been a very insightful episode. Thank you. Thank I have you. one uh, last question, actually. Of course. Uh, yeah. Something that I plan now to ask all the guests. So. Uh, if you were us and, and you were, or as a listener to, to this podcast or any podcast, who would you want to hear uh, on this podcast? Uh, who who has an interesting story to tell? Uh, well, this is, uh, I definitely don't want to see anyone from, from our competitors, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can't uh, promise did, anything. <laughs> talking about cryptocurrency and this kind of next big thing uh, in, uh, in, in cryptocurrency, there is, um, I was talking about decentralized finance, it's a fast growing industry in, within cryptocurrency space. Uh, there is a company called MakerDAO, uh, which 
does a lot of uh, innovative stuff in this particular space and they are leading uh, DeFi space. So it will be good and they have very good story. Uh, it will be good to, to, to hear them on, on this podcast. All right. Great. Great. I have them Googled right here. So we have <laughs> we'll their send name them up. an invite. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for sharing you. your experience and, and best of luck also with your future uh, growth plans. And uh, let's see if we order ourselves some Wirex MasterCards yeah. later today. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. you so much. I hope you enjoyed your visit to that conversation as much as we did. Now, if you want to stay updated and keep in touch with us, please subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and all other podcast platforms. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and then Facebook. You guessed it, Soap by Slush. Thank you people for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>